This is the final Quarantine Chronicles, episode 26 for May 30th. I am Kevin, and to my virtual left, we have Jason. Hello. And to my virtual right, we have Angel. Hi. Is it episode 26? (laughs) What? Is it 26? Yeah. No, No, last episode was 25, wasn't it? Nope, last was 24. It got thrown off because Power Hour, when you were missing in action. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So we're we're ending on a nice, like, milestone one with 25. Yeah, I mean, the, regardless, the, the the number doesn't matter considering that this is the final uh, episode of Quarantine Chronicles. So, yeah, yeah good we run. are, uh, it, it, was. it was a good, it was apparently a good 25 episode run. Oh, our, our anniversary for the episode actually was the day after last week's episode. I believe so we that was our anniversary. About a year. Yeah, we went just about a year, which, which I mean, which I mean, thank God, sta- I guess, really. When we started this, did we expect to end? Like, realistically, did we think a year in we'd be back to close to almost being somewhat normal again? No. Well, yeah. as far as America goes, I no, because this this country is so stubborn. Oh, I mean, just that like I thought we're gonna be day-to-day. we're gonna be yeah. stuck in quarantine for way longer than a year. Yeah, the the speed at which things turned around from let's say. January, just randomly picking a month where something may have changed till now is huge. Yeah, so uh, this will be the last episode of Quarantine Chronicles that shows up on uh, your podcast feed, and we will get to why that is at the end of the episode. But for right now, we'll just continue things as usual, and you know, that usually starts off with how we've been doing since we last recorded an episode, and I guess what better way to start off by like, we finally reunited after about a year. We all three did. of us. We did. And we did? reunited, it felt so good. Yeah, Angel, you were there, remember? <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess. Yeah, it counts, yeah. yeah. Of course it counts. Well, why enough. wouldn't it count? Why would it count? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> because uh, we were just watching a movie. But we, like, talked before, we talked after. I literally sat next to you and kept telling you worthless facts during the movie that you didn't want to hear. It was like the old Oh, times. my God, <laughs> really? No, it was only, like, two. Yeah. Oh, was making fun oh, of Oh, I was about to say. Two, I was like, thank God. Two, one was he during had, the trailers, he, 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 and he one had, was just a comment, an offhand remark. He had a comment to say about almost every trailer. Almost. Nope. Nope. Yep. It was one thing during the trailers. No, it definitely Okay, so I guess we should explain what we not. did. So, so Angel, for his birthday... Wait, was it for your birthday? His no, it was just not because for like four months. <laughs> it was literally just because. Oh, okay. Well, well, Angel <laughs> well, had the. Uh, I guess, great I guess idea. because I wanted to see Godzilla in theaters. Okay, yeah. So, so Angel uh, decided to book us a private screening for Godzilla vs Kong, which you can hear our thoughts about a few episodes ago. Indeed. Uh, but we saw it in an AMC, and there was a nineteen of us, I believe, somewhere around there. Somewhere around that ballpark? I think it was 17. 17? Okay, well, which is still a good number considering that 20 is yeah. the limit. Yeah, and it was, it was a private it theater was a, rental. Yeah, but uh, it was all three of us plus, you know, friends and family. And uh, it it felt good, you know? It uh, did. Seeing uh, Godzilla vs. Kong in the theater and uh, a good audio system was really, really cool. It's definitely a movie made for theaters. All the plot holes were still there. Everything we said was problematic about oh, was yeah. still there. And literally larger. Oh, but yeah. And amplified. Really nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was really nice. And there was, um, there was things in the movie that I was looking 
two that I was like, hmm, I wonder if this still, oh, well, not necessarily, I wonder if this still holds up, but it's like, maybe I just thought, thought that something was a plot hole and it wasn't, and, and it pretty much just reconfirmed everything, everything that I thought about, about it when I saw it on, at home. I did, oh, and I there did was also out. some scenes that felt longer. Some scenes yeah. that, like when, uh, Godzilla was getting, uh, his ass beat, wait, his, or their ass beat, I'll just, I'll just, I don't know, the sex of Godzilla. When Godzilla was getting its ass beat by Mecha Godzilla, spoilers for for Godzilla, for <laughs> From Godzilla two months ago. Yeah, but yeah, but when uh, he's getting beat up, it felt longer than it did when I saw it at home. Yeah, which I don't know. A if, comedic, I, almost I, a comedic I, amount. It was just like, wow, they're he's still getting his face dragged across the pavement and getting stomped on, and it was like almost it was like, like oh, it's still going. Yeah, it almost felt like it was like an extended really cut. Right, kind like, of. like, oh yeah, Godzilla may have won the fight against Kong, but we're really gonna let him have it now, I guess. Well, I yeah. do wonder how much of that was because we knew what was coming next, so we were just sitting there waiting for like Kong to show up or whatever. You know, we were like, right. we knew the pacing it should be, so everything felt. It's like the opposite of when you're driving somewhere and when you first go there, it feels so long to get to, but then the drive back feels so much shorter because you recognize all the destinations. Oh, like, that's it was kind of for me. There's like way back. It feels longer longer. coming back. Well, yeah. okay, you're but, a better metaphor for this situation then. <laughs> but which um, is why it happened the way it did, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. But um, it makes sense because yeah, I mean, was... you're experiencing something for the first time, so it's easier to miss something because you're just taking it in. But the second yeah. time, you know it's coming, so you're kind of left analyzing it more. You're like scrutinizing more of it, so you know you notice more details. You notice the passage of time, and you know I tried to see how many things on Mechagodzilla moved and whatnot. Right. It's a How it's many? a weird phenomenon with me where a movie is always somehow slightly different the second time I ever watch it. I don't know if that's ever happened to you guys. Yeah, I think it's I I think it's always just my perception of it changes because you go well, in I can't, with a preconceived I notion often, whether you want to or not. You go in with a preconceived notion. Reviews say something, or you have hype or not hype, depending on the movie. You know, you go in with some level of expectation. So then, when you go see it a second time, to Angel's point. You're coming in with different expectations. You're coming in with different context almost, and that does change how things are perceived just by the nature of the beast. But that's always happened to me even at a young age. Like I remember watching Toy Story and then mm. watching it a second time, and it was like there was either a scene cut out or a scene that was completely different. I don't oh, know. It's, it's always happened to me. I oh, Well, it always happened to me up, up until – yeah, exactly, growing up. Like, yeah. Yeah, like Nowadays, especially... obviously, movies are, are much, much – well, they stay the same, obviously, as they used yeah, to. Yeah, because they usually the same. Like, <laughs> they'll tell you if it's like a theatrical cut or blah blah blah. But, but I know what you're talking about. Like, I distinctly remember like watching Space Jam as a kid in theaters, and then watching the VHS release and feeling like something was different. Like, not like a different perception of it, just like something was literally like missing from the scene or missing from or the a scene release, was or changed, added, something or, like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So, like, mini nothing, nothing to to make a huge change. Twice. What happened? So literally, you guys have like mini Mandela effects every time you watch movies as a kid a second time. I don't know what the Mandela effect is. That's the idea that collectively as a society, everyone thinks something happened but didn't happen. So um, the the big example is um, the move uh, the movie Shaq was in. Why not just it? use the name? It's Steel. named after 
Mandela. Uh, no, I was going to say uh, Kablam or Kazam or whatever it was. <laughs> and it never actually exi- – Shazam, whatever – no, not Shazam. That's Zach Levi. But whatever it was, everyone thinks he the was one in where this he's movie genie. where he played a genie. And everyone thinks it's called one thing. It's actually called something else. The same thing's happened no, with the – No, they, uh, they thought it was Sinbad as a genie playing some genie called Kazam. Wait, no. Actually, wasn't oh, Sinbad the genie? Well, maybe I got it wrong then. But No, it was Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, it was Shaq. What was the movie with Sinbad as a genie? There was never one. That oh, you know I got of. backwards when I was explaining Wait. it. But yeah, that. And then also they, the Berenstein They've actually Bears. made a parody of it recently where Sinbad did play a genie just for the sake of that joke. But yeah, that never happened. Yeah, it's basically like the whole cult, the whole like zeitgeist picks up on something that never actually happened. You know, or the they all collectively get it wrong. Is another popular one. Yeah, because that one, what, what's the backstory with that one? Is it the name is not what people thought it was? People oh, thought yeah, it was Berenstein Berenst- versus Berenstein. Like it was right. A I N versus E A E I N. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's not so, a yeah, Crystal it's, it's Cove that. situation, right? It's oh well, what? oh no, I guess Crystal Cove is just creepy pasta. Never mind. Oh yeah, no, 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 it's not like that. But um, um, but yeah, so so you basically were having you guys mini versions of that, like a self-contained, isolated, just you version of that. It sounds like well, crap. I guess. Uh, I but yeah, don't that was... know if it's exactly that, but. Maybe. Maybe not exactly, but, you know. But it was nice seeing no. you guys, wasn't it? That's the takeaway here. And I ate way uh, too much everybody, everybody had much different hair than what I thought. Uh, <laughs> I thought yeah, your Alonzo, hair was going to be way long. longer. Oh, yeah. Alonzo's hair was long. Yeah, I thought Jason's hair was uh, supposed to be long. That was the biggest disappointment of the year. And you saw me the week prior, too. So you already knew it was short, and you were still disappointed. Second yeah, week in a row. that's how much it sucked. You well, really yeah, so what happened was I only got during the quor- during the actual quarantine times, I only got one haircut halfway through in October. So yeah, when, when uh, your brother and one of our friends, Angel, saw, uh, saw me at Vax Live, the concert I talked about last, Quarantine Chronicles, I hadn't gotten my second haircut yet and my hair was like – I don't even know how you would describe it. It, it was like, it was like a, a nest. <laughs> it was like a bird nest mixed with a Jufro. Which is what kind of does anyway, mixed with um, I don't even know what. And yeah, and I guess you guys saw photos of that, and we're expecting to see this glorious whatever it was on my head. But then I decided to get a haircut because, like, you know, if I'm going to concerts, I can go get a haircut. Like, if one's safe, the other's safe. So yeah, so you right. guys just saw what I was pre-pandemic. And then I wasn't ready for Angel's long hair. Oh, his is like yeah, Angel. When did you ask get a haircut? We talked about my hair's always been long, far back as I can. It absolutely hasn't. I mean, this is the same guy who didn't even think that we all got together last week for a minute. So, um, you know, I'd take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, <laughs> last time I got my haircut was right before I started working. So that was like in February. Oh, so you're like, you're at like 15 months. You can say that. Pretty, yeah, pretty solid there. podcast content to talk about hair that no one can see <laughs> for like three straight minutes. Yeah, just imagine I, a typical male short haircut and now it goes past my neck or reaches my back and then imagine that hair that's down to someone's like longer like he's described but then shorten it again like you originally envisioned it and that's me and kevin oh yeah i had to get a haircut (laughs) i was so bummed out i went uh similarly i hadn't the last before we went into pandemic mode i had gotten a haircut in i believe october of 2019 and then I didn't get a haircut until about May of of uh, 2020. Wow. And then I just got 
I just chopped. I it was it was in a ponytail. I I don't think either of you guys ever saw it when I had it in a in like a. It was on your stream. It was on your on your on your live streams. Your YouTube gaming. Yeah. So right yeah. there, you could see. Uh, you could go ahead and see what my hair looked like, but yeah, I had to cut it off for. Likewise, uh, my Instagram has my shaggy hair on it, hidden behind the Ask Iwata book. Yeah. Oh well, I, I don't think I have any pictures of me with uh, with my long hair. So my long hair only exists in my streams, but I don't think I'm be I'm going to be cutting my hair anytime soon either. Though I think I'm going to grow it out once again. It's there probably going to take something... another year and a half. That's such a angel, and you're not getting yours cut at all. I definitely don't plan to, because the thing is, yeah, I... I typically cut my hair when it gets annoying. It just gets when it gets too annoying to maintain or to deal with, I guess. And it's typically when it gets to like eye level. Um, yeah, it just gets annoying. But because of COVID, you know, I just didn't get a haircut. And eventually went beyond that point where it was really annoying at one point. And now because it's just gotten longer than I've ever had it before, I just got used to it, I guess. And now it doesn't bother me, even though there are new issues. Like, you know, I have to wait for my hair to get longer than ever before. I definitely notice it sometimes when I like looking down at something. But I guess it that's become so normal that I just don't see myself cutting my hair anytime soon. And at this point, I almost just want to see how long I could get it to grow. So, right, right. Yeah. Let's, let's let it ride. Huh? To, have you got any? Point. Oh, I was I was gonna ask if you got any pushback from like your mother, but then I realized that Elvis has his long hair, so yeah, his hair is longer than mine. But not everyone. Um, even my mother has been like super fond of my hair. They're like, "Oh my god, your hair is so jet black and gorgeously long," and blah blah blah. And I'm like, "I guess it is." Oh, I've gotten the opposite <laughs> reactions. Everybody was begging me to cut my hair, and I was telling them, "No, nah, it's not gonna happen," until it had to happen for reasons. I derailed an entire work meeting when I got my hair cut. Actually, no, I derailed it once and everyone's like, whoa, your hair's getting so long. And I derailed it the next week when they're like, whoa, now your hair is short. But but yeah, to your point, Angel, I think I might have been like I was getting right at that eye level thing, the annoying eye level thing. Like I, I could pull it down and look like I wrote Sins, Not Tragedies. Like I looked like straight out of like 2005 Panic at the Disco level, like emo hair if I pulled it over my face. But the rest of it was kind of like – like I said, kind of like uh-huh. a, a Jufro bird's nest situation. So it took a while to like flop into my face. And once it did that, that's why I had to pull the trigger. But yeah, like it, it, it's, I didn't get strong feedback one way or another. I don't think hmm. weirdly now that I think about right. it. Just from your who every time are it used to seeing your hair a certain length. Well, but they've seen it grow out already from the first half of the pandemic when I still lived at home. And then I was still seeing him pretty regularly early on. Um, hmm. so yeah, but I definitely it was like a emo slash like seventies haircut thing. Like I looked like a rocker that couldn't decide which era I was from, essentially. Or a kid that like wanted to be a cool skater kid in two thousand four and just didn't quite know how to do it. Which is probably the most accurate description of me. <laughs> so But um well, wanna be cool but just couldn't figure it out. Makes sense. It's so yeah. so you're keeping the hair, but is there anything that's now now that we're reopening the world, I guess. Is there or we we personally guys are reopening the world. Um now that things are opening back up, is there anything that is going away that you're kind of bummed is like is there anything you got used to in quarantine? Because I, I could think of one thing, but isolation. Besides the hair. Isolation. Well, gonna, I, well forced isolation, I guess, for you. No, um like pleasant isolation. Because I'm perfectly content just like not hanging out with people. Like 
I'm happy hanging out with people, but I can also just, you know, keep doing my thing forever. But I am going to miss, I guess, just having so much time that I could just schedule and plan for myself. And yeah, it's going to be interesting just, you know, making time to hang out outside of the house. The irony of that being you did, I would say, we at least hung out more virtually than we did in real life in terms of frequency. So it's it's kind of like a trade-off because, we, we, you know, it'd be like two times a week we'd play games, one time a week we'd podcast, and they'd be like two to three hours each, and that'd be it. But it was more frequent. But yeah. yeah it, I mean, I guess a lot of it was just like, you know, from, you know. Yeah, because, you know, from the comfort of my home, like, I didn't mm-hmm. really have to adjust a lot. It's really easy to just start playing the session with the friends and then stop and still do other things now. And, like, say we wanted to do a game night. Like, back then, we could say it starts at 7 it could go on to whatever, like, it will literally start at 7. People will trickle in. But now it's, like, it's more of an event. I pretty much, like, from the moment it starts, maybe in, like, an hour before, depending on where we have to go, like, the rest of your day is pretty much just, like, gone. Like, that's just it. Well, not not just know. that, but also um, coordinating schedules. It's a lot easier for someone to be like, I'll pop in, you, you know, but to have to commit to driving and going and being there, it's a little harder than just, like, yeah, I have 45 minutes, I'll you know, do a couple rounds of Jackbox or whatever, Um, which is even more troublesome when you see how much traffic has come back in L.A. I think we've talked about this on TV before, but yeah. That's the one thing personally for me that I'm going to hate going back to. I mean, me personally, I, at the start of the pandemic, I I was, uh, I guess, an essential worker, so I had to physically be at my, my, uh, my place of employment's Mm-hmm. So, at the start of the pandemic, it was great because it was like, all right, there's a, there's no traffic, there's n- there's nobody out on the streets. It's awesome. And now seeing it all trickle in, oh, LA LA's traffic is so terrible. I was, uh, oh god, today I had to go to my job for something that was going to take no more than thirty seconds. I had to like just go dip in and di- and I could dip out. Uh. With CarPlay, it told me that I had 23 minutes to get there. And then, of course, traffic ramped up. And a 23-minute drive turned into a 50-minute drive. Just going from where I live, and you guys know where I live, to not even downtown L.A., just the U.S., just like where USC is at. Mm -hmm. It's insane. And now amplify that by the... by. Way more people who are slowly coming out of quarantine. I'm not looking forward to that. What's super bizarre was when I – I've talked about on the show before, I think, how I was for a while recording from my parents' house while living in my apartment. And then I slowly started recording here in this lovely closet surrounded by clothes. And um, part of the reason that finally pushed me to record here is every week I drive back because we tended to record in the morning. We still kind of do. And I drive back right around lunchtime on Saturday. And every week starting maybe, I don't know, Mar- no, uh, within the last like eight weeks before I switched to here. So I don't remember when that was. But every week I would see an almost perfectly reliable five-minute increase in the drive. And I saw it go from about 25 minutes to 50 minutes in those increments over that exact perfectly like rationed amount of increasing. And I was just like, you know what? It's – yeah, it's it's back. And, and that was only, you know – in a few months ago when it wasn't really open yet. So I can't even imagine like what Memorial Day is going to be like this weekend. You know, like it's just going to be traffic's probably going to come back harder than it was when things 
first started shutting down. Like pre, you know, like in March of last year, because everyone's so cooped up. Everyone's going on a drive. I mean, Angel, you were saying right before we started recording that you have friends that are all traveling in the next couple of weeks. So, like, it's, yeah. you know, everyone's so pent up and going on, like, bring back to life. That is how it goes. Yeah. Uh, how are your, uh, and you guys don't have to answer this, obviously, but how are, mm-hmm. how's your job? Uh, are they going to allow you to, to work from home or? TBD. I think TBD. they initially wanted people back in the office, but then they started seeing that other companies in the same industry were not so eager, and they're you know understandably concerned about potential retention issues if they force people back prematurely compared to competitors. So uh, we will see. But you, Angel, we shall see. We shall see. Uh, lucky you guys. I, I'm You've been sort there of for yeah. I've been there, so my day to day work schedule isn't really changing. Well, my time schedule is, but. As far as me going to work, right. it isn't. I told, I asked my boss, like, "Hey, when are you coming back?" And he pretty much, like, blew a raspberry just and gave me the middle fingers, like, "I'm not coming back here. I don't have to come back here." So, <laughs> yeah, punk. it's it's funny because like I feel like our day to day, like I'm cool with the world opening up. Uh, the traffic thing, like besides the increments I was talking about, like even it's funny moving in the peak of the pandemic. I got used to West LA where I am now having no traffic. So now things I'm like, oh yeah, that takes five minutes. Like, why is it suddenly taking 20? Like I have no frame of reference for when it was normal. So I think everything just sucks now. But, um, but besides that, what I was going to say is um, we're talking about like the personal thing, but there, there's one thing I'm going to miss kind of from the quarantine times. And honestly, I feel like we need to preface this with, of course, it's better that people aren't dying every day and every week and that people aren't getting sick. And you know, this it's better to go back to how it was. But one thing I am going to miss is um, I feel like a lot of presentations and a lot of performances had to get really creative. Like if you watch live musical performances, like from an award show or whatever, or if you look at like how all the companies, once they started to kind of get their footing in the back half of the pandemic, started to do different sort of presentation formats and not just all do like a keynote in front of a crowd of overly enthusiastic fans. Like I, it was kind of nice to have the variety. Like I, I think like I... Uh, Thinking about like Nintendo, I loved when they had live press conferences. I think the fan energy is good there. But like, do I need every time Tim Cook says the word iPhone for a crowd to erupt in applause? No, I'd much rather have the cool cinematography from the Apple events where they're like zipping around their campus with the drone shots and everything. Like some stuff that came out of this pandemic was actually kind of cool. Like I think presentation wise, it led to some more interesting things and companies weren't all cribbing each other like – Google did this weird thing for Google I.O. the other week where it was like a backyard barbecue, basically. It was like uh, their their CEO sent up trying like 10 people just in lawn chairs, just like, yeah, that that's a cool Android 12 thing. And I was like, all right, that felt different. It was kind of nice that we're getting like some variety out of this. And more so, I think I kind of mentioned music, but more so I think um, the way I really wanted to highlight that I'm actually going to miss is performances were just way cooler. Once they found their footing, like I'm thinking of a couple in particular – where like every time the weekend did an award show performance, he did like ridiculous things that they would never spend the money on and never do when they could just put him in front of a cheering crowd. You know, they put him on the top of a building in New York and then lit up the entire riverfront with fireworks. Apparently, so many fireworks that an entire neighborhood complained about it. They um, just this past week on the Billboard Music Awards, they put him in a parking lot in Arcadia, which is like 
for those that don't know LA, it's like kind of just just a random town. But they they put him there, and then they did choreography not with dancers, but with classic cars and semi trucks. So he was like riding in a car. He got out of the car. He walked down the middle of the road, and they had the cars basically be a live visualizer. And they were like zooming past him at like thirty miles an hour as he was performing. And then there's these semi trucks, and they like peel off next to him. And it's stuff that like they wouldn't try that. They wouldn't have stunt drivers. And this is real. I read this. They wouldn't have stunt drivers practice for sixteen hours just to do this one three-minute performance if they could just put him in the Nokia theater or the Microsoft theater now and just be, like, sing in front of this crowd. I mean, you always saw stuff like that, though. Like, But not to that extent. Like, No, you absolutely... I don't have necessarily examples, but, like, yeah, the MTV Music Awards would do something that crazy. Yeah, I mean, well, kind of. I think the difference was they always tried to include a crowd, which sometimes is really cool. I think, like, looking at, you know, if you're watching, like, a festival... A music festival. It makes sense to show the crowd shots. But then at the same time, like, Coldplay just did uh, the Glastonbury, not Glastonbury Festival. I forgot what they call it, like, Live at the Farm or something. And instead of having a crowd of people holding cell phones, they used that space to light up a field with these LED neon lights. And basically they did all these shots zooming out where it was these perfectly synchronized lights and they had all this pyro and they were in the middle of the field. And, like, stuff like that, yeah, they could always put, you know, Kanye on a crane at Coachella and it'd be like, oh, that's kind of cool. But there was also... Something kind of nice about just the shake-up or, like, even late-night performances like uh, Glass Animals. I don't know if you guys know who Glass Animals are. They have a hit on the radio right now called Heat Waves. Um, no, they, it's the radio. They did a performance. Um, I actually don't know them for the radio. I, I randomly found them because they did some song that was, like, a Street Fighter-inspired uh, music video or something like that. And then that showed up on, like, Go Nintendo or something. And then that led me down the rabbit hole. That led me to their album. And now they're blowing up. But anyway – um, they were on the Tonight Show, and instead of doing a performance like, "Oh, we're going live to the Sam Monica Pier," they shot the performance on the roller coaster and on the merry-go-round, and in the like. They was just like, you know, they have so much more flexibility because it's empty. So yeah, they do on location stuff. I mean, I've gone to some Lincoln Park ones for like MTV stuff on location, but it was just it was different. It was like live music videos, and certainly the energy is different too because you don't have screaming crowds, and you, you know the artist doesn't feed off that energy in the same way if it's not there. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It was kind of cool for a minute there. Just I don't know if it's long term, if it would have worked beyond like a year or two. But for this past year, like I'm kind of gonna miss the extra layer of ridiculous, the extra layer of extra pyro, the extra layer of training stunt car drivers, like all that stuff. Like that's gonna probably be going away. And case in point, so the weekend did the Billboard Music Awards on Sunday last Sunday and did that car thing. Four days later, he's at the iHeart Music Awards, also here in LA. He was just on stage singing in front of a crowd. That was it. They had no, like, theatrics. They had nothing. It was just, like, an old school, just, like, here he is in front of a crowd. Because now that's the contrast. So it's like they can go back to basics and kind of rebuild it up. But some of the outlandish stuff is going to be gone for probably a while, if I had to guess. But it's such a weird minor complaint. I know. But I really did like the variety that came out of it. So RIP variety, (laughs) I guess. Uh, I'm sure we'll still see stuff like that. Yeah, just just less. Definitely not to the degree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with that, I guess we will, I will, uh, take us into our final SoCal COVID update. No jingle for this, cause, uh, Mm-mm. I'm sure Jason can think of one. Do we even exactly. have one ever? We did, I mean, there were attempts. No one said there they'd were be good. No one said they'd be good. You guys didn't bill me with doing good jingles. You just said do things that change, no, that don't be monotonous, basically. And to be fair, I would always just spring it up. I, I the oh, first yeah. time I just sprung it up on Jason, I, and that was not pre-planned. By maybe the twenty-first quarantine chronicle, I'd be like, "Oh, I should prepare for this." Nope. 
Well, I we still actually... do that with we still what do that it? with things like with the random Nintendo titling, where it's like, uh, you think that after how many episodes? Five hundred something? Uh, two fifty five. But who's counting? Uh, halfway. I, I was thinking the the amount of weeks that technically. Oh yeah, going uh, on ten years. Have been. This, this November. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say one you time. Think that, you come on with better names every now and then. Yep. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, on rare occasions, we have some really good ones, and I'm very proud when they happen. But more yeah. often than not, I mean, come on, you came up with a great one, Pokemon Sword and Shield. We had, you know, the um, the Dynamaxes, and you came up with Big Diglett Energy, which is still peak naming conventions there. But anyway, um, what was I gonna say? Yeah, I I did actually seriously consider pre-recording a jingle one time, and I was gonna layer my vo- my voice three times, and then pitch manipulate them in GarageBand. And then I just didn't. And now Quarantine Chronicles is ending. I'll never be able to. So I figured I'd share this pointless anecdote instead of singing. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess it's the thought that matters, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I, not in this case, no. It really didn't make a difference. People did not get to hear it one way or another. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, SoCal COVID update. LA County is pretty much going to lift the capacity limits starting mid-June. Uh, most of these for like concerts and events will still require like proof vaccination. Uh, they're a little more, they're a little less lenient with outdoor events. Uh, so I think the, uh, I believe like you are allowed to have more than 10,000, uh, event goers now. I mean, uh, yeah. I, don't, I actually don't know if you are, I, I don't know if they are, uh, if there is a hard limit on that, but I'm pretty sure there's none. Um, and then, like, restaurants and movie theaters are slowly removing the mask mandates. I think AMC uh, and Regal and has Cinemark. now said, and Regal and Cinemark, okay. They've now stated pretty much that, hey, if you're vaccinated, you don't need a mask. Which is cool, but at the same time, I don't think they're verifying they are not. whether you've been vaccinated or not. So you could just straight up lie and say, like, yeah, I'm vaccinated and just not wear a mask. That is the flaw with all of this is they did it – the country just passed, I think, uh, 50% vaccination. I think that's 50% with one shot, not even both shots. Um, it was at like 49.5 like two days ago. And the problem is, yeah, everything's a trust system. So like the people that didn't want to wear a mask but were being forced to wear a mask now basically have the out to not wear a mask. Well, let's be honest. They probably weren't wearing masks even when they were supposed to. But um, yeah, it, it – the, the the only like comfort I guess to take in that is it's the CDC was saying because they were asked about this and the director of CDC was saying listen the mask if you're vaccinated you're fine the person that's not wearing the mask is putting themselves at risk at that point which I guess but also like if there's new variants if this is like the flu if we're going to, need to get booster shots then you know there is that window every single year where or every single season where there's that chance it's coming back but at that point you know do we react strongly to the flu do we react strongly to other things like so it's it's all a crapshoot at this point but yeah it is weird i agree kevin the idea that yeah take yeah. off your mask if you're vaccinated or if you're not wink wink so yeah so we'll see how we'll see how that goes but cases have been you know slowly going down thank god and uh yeah california's been killing it uh that might be a, a really poor choice of words on my part too late it's on uh, recording can't take it back yeah. Uh, I mean, well, with that, let's just uh, get into the episode. Jason, you've been holding on to this mm. ace of a topic for weeks now. Or oh, months, I'm so glad I, think, I waited. At this point. I'm so glad I waited. Um, yeah, so reality TV, specifically the fever dream that is The Masked Singer. 
Now, I never in a million years thought I'd watch something like this. Like, I knew it was out there, this idea that what if there's some some celebrities and they wear these ridiculous costumes and they sing and then a panel of judges and you at home have to try and figure out who is under the mask based on their voice. That's what I knew. Uh, my girlfriend Perfectly was actually pretty made for the you. Show. I mean, like it uh, is. That's the thing. Yeah, that's what it turns out. Uh, what, what were we gonna say, Andrew? It's not like it more. No, like, it's like it, it, like I feel like any kind of game show that involves just celebrity trivia would just like get your jollies going or something. And that's the thing. I didn't know about the trivia component. So I thought this was a singing version of Dancing with the Stars, just with the stars obscured. And I was like, what is the point? Like, this seems silly. And, you know, I saw like a clip here and there, and there's these, there were these ridiculous, outlandish, over-the-top, flamboyant, colorful, flashy costumes. And I was just like, I don't like – what? But, yeah, I cut my teeth as a kid loving shows like Figure It Out on Nickelodeon, which is literally this just without the celebrity component where you have a group of celebrity, quote-unquote, judges who have to figure out something about a person. So Figure It Out was these kids and what their hidden talent is based on a series of questions. This is sort of the inverse where they hear the talent, but they need to kind of work backwards and figure out who it is based on a series of clues, it turns out. I didn't know the clue thing was there. So my girlfriend actually uh, really likes the show and had me watch it with her. Like, just trust me on this. You know, you'll enjoy it. And the reason I'm so glad I'm talking about it now is because I, in the third week out of 11, correctly guessed one of them who ended up being in third place. And I'm so proud of myself because it is actually kind of hard. They do clues that are a bit more obscure. Some are in your face. Some are obscure. But being able to now proudly, the week of the finale, say, yeah, I got one of the finalists in the third week. Yeah, pretty proud of myself. So, so for anyone that's – yeah. Yeah, so I, I assume you're going to explain what the show is? Yeah, well, I kind of started to a little. But, yeah, basically – Okay, so then my question is hmm. do these people get eliminated based on their singing prowess? Unclear. <laughs> so, so this is it is like where, just American Idol, but with like celebrities? Uh, a little. So this is where, and as and my girlfriend also watches American Idol, so I've been kind of dipping in out of that the last couple of weeks too, because she just had on the room. And yeah, the parallels are there. The difference is, and why I compare this to more of a fever dream, is there doesn't seem to be any structure or real rules or any real anything to the mass singer. It's basically two hours or one hour, sometimes two, of like let's just make feel good, overly happy, very positive, just uplifting kind of television. So like the jokes are super campy. The competition, the judges never say anything negative. They're always up like lifting up the performer. Uh, the stuff that's like supposed to be emotional, like oh they sung this really touching song. The judges lean so hard on oh my god I was crying. Like it's it's so like just ridiculous but yeah the basic premise is every week everyone performs at the end of the performance one of the uh creatures because you know they could be anything from like a swan to a chameleon to a mouse to a sun god (laughs) to um someone that was a his name was like old monster and he was like a one-eyed thing that had like a, a walking like stick i don't really know what any of them are but anyway every week one of them gets eliminated as voted on by the in-studio audience and maybe people at home, but it's not live. So I don't know what they're telling people to vote, but there's an app you can go vote. But 
again, it's not live and it happens in real time. Like they say go vote and then they immediately say this person's been eliminated. So I don't really know how that works. Um, but yeah, and then they take, you know, they say, okay, you've been eliminated, whoever you are. And then they do one final round of guesses among the judges where they could try to figure out who it is, which is, I guess, what their actual purpose is because they're not rating the performances. And then, um, they take the mask off and they have everyone chant, take it off. And these masks that very easily come off take about 30 seconds to heave off them. And they have to bring in support with these backup dancers who help take it off. And it, it's a very strange show. What makes it even stranger and more fever dreamish is during quarantine, they decide to pretend they have an audience when they don't. So what they did is they've been using clips, at least in this season, of past seasons audiences and interspersing them, which isn't that crazy. That's, you know, a visual laugh track. But then they went one step further and they have inserted, using augmented reality, a fake crowd in some shots only. So they'll do a pan shot and sometimes it's empty around the stage. And then they'll do a pan shot in the other direction. Suddenly there's a crowd. And if you watch closely, the crowd does the exact same little animations every week when they do these pan shots. And it's super weird and it just makes it even stranger of a show because, like, when you see the crowd being basically cloned every week and you realize all this campiness, all this overly theatrical, you know, they have pyro, they have confetti, they have, uh, they use augmented reality effects on every performance, which actually from a technology standpoint is pretty cool. But when you think about all the stuff they pour into it and the judges being like, everyone get on your feet, this is great, and like cheering and like cracking jokes and laughing super hard at these really dumb jokes. And then you realize it's five people in an empty soundstage doing all this by themselves it's super bizarre it's like when you take the laugh track out of like a big bang theory like they do on youtube just like oh this is weird like if you just remove it for a second just think about what's actually happening on the screen it's like almost something out of black mirror with like a fake celebrity culture it's really weird but it is kind of a fun show and the clues are pretty fun so um who did you guess right Wiz khalifa Okay, that's a pretty big name. Jesus Christ! Oh, no, so, they have big names. They have big names. That's what really yeah. Because me and because actually like got me when I would they had Kermit when the Frog. I would see what uh, yeah. By the way, speaking of Fever yet. Dream, so you have a show about people in costumes, and who do they reveal? But another person in a costume. That's really all Kermit is, if you think about it. So it was like a Kermit's a real a frog. You shut your mouth. Uh. <laughs> but yeah, he was the first uh, one out this season. Um, wow, but no, they have big names. Cool. They had. Um, yeah, Wiz Khalifa got third, and you know I, I recognized his voice pretty quick. But then there are a couple of clues. So every episode they do a clue package where they have the person. Na- oh, that's the other part I forgot. They have a person narrate about themselves and tell about themselves without revealing too much. And it's usually all these serious stories about how they had to overcome a challenge, or like you know their father died, or their or their sister went through cancer, and they're doing all this, and it's heartfelt and it's sincere. But you're watching a pig wearing a propeller hat that's motorized walk through a field of fake daisies in front of clearly a green screen discussing how, like, his sister be- almost died from cancer. And you're just like, what is this? <laughs> like, it's a cartoon pig with a human inside it, like, talking about all this real heavy stuff. It just, it's such a weird clash of, like, vibes. But, um, yes, they do have some pretty big name celebrities. Uh, Wiz Khalifa was on this season. Buster Rhymes was on this season. Lil Wayne was on a past season. Um, Logan Paul uh, was on one of them. Um, T-Pain won one year. He's actually a great singer. I don't know if people – I mean, Kevin, you know because we've seen T-Pain live, which is a whole other oh, story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But he kills oh, it. Yeah, he's good. I love, t- I love T-Pain. 
I just remember when we saw him live, um, just for context for everyone else, we were at Adult Swim Festival the first year, and he was one of the performers. Um, and for like 10 straight minutes, you just couldn't stop laughing because you never thought you'd see T-Pain live. Yeah, like, I'd never were, like, thought it. I never thought. Yeah, it was so, it was like so weird. It was, it was like this sense of euphoria that I've never had. To this day, T, and I've seen, T-Pain is not one of my favorite artists, quote unquote. But goddamn, did he put on the best show that I've ever seen in my entire life? Yeah, it, he he just has so oh. much energy, and he has a really good singing voice he's when he great. turns off the auto tune, which is how he won Mass Singer. But um, yeah, so it's like a it, you know it's it's sports figures. It's uh, I think they had um, man, I don't remember from past seasons anymore. They had Leanne Rhymes, they had uh, Hanson randomly. Um, I guess spoilers for this season because I just spoiled like three other people, but the season ended, so not my fault. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who else, but it, it's surprising. Uh, they had Bobby Brown. They had it's like a mix of kind of people that oh, obviously they would do this, along with people that you're like, really, they got them to do this. Um, and I think what's what's kind of funny is usually on these shows, you know, the judges end up being some of the bigger names because that's how they get people in it on the ground floor. But like, I mean, is Robin Thicke that big of a name? Is Nicole uh, Scherlinger from or however you say her name from Pussycat Dolls that big of a name? Is Ken Jong, that I mean, big. Ro- Robin, McCarthy, Robin that big. Thicke like, definitely had a hit. A hit, like <laughs> yeah. Let's not pretend that he didn't. No, have but a hit. but my point is like these guys like, and Pussycat Dolls were huge in the early two thousands, and Ken Jong's in a million things now, and actually they've kind of built a whole brand around him on Fox. Like he hosts his separate show, and they call Wednesdays Ken's Days, and it's like a whole thing. But um, usually the judges, I feel like, are some of the bigger stars, but like they have for sure. I'm drawing a blank on some of the slurs, but they've for sure been overshadowed multiple times over. So who are the judges? Uh, Robin Thicke, Nicole Scherlinger. Oh, Ken my, my bad. I thought, I yeah, thought, yeah. my, my bad. I thought those were like contestants, my bad. Oh, no, no, no. They were judges. Um, and, uh, Jane McCarthy, or, yeah, that's her name, right? The, yeah. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you got one, two known for music, one known for comedy who, purposely and again to the point of your of your question of how's the game even work ken jong just purposely guesses the most absurd random nonsensical guesses just to kind of keep the conversation going like there's no competition here really the closest that comes is whoever gets the most whoever guesses the most correct guesses gets their own trophy among the judges so the winner of the singing side gets a trophy and the winner of the judging side gets a trophy and that's the extent of um the game i guess you could say but it, it's just – and they bring in celebrity judges. So they have like Joel McHale and Will Arnett and Niecy Nash and Rob Riggle and like all these um, – and uh, uh, what's his name? Darius, Darius Rucker, you know, Hootie from Hootie and the Boat. But they just have this like rotation of random people. But somehow through all the bizarreness, it works. Like it's – it's the jokes aren't that funny. Like Nick Cannon hosts and he's fine I guess. But like nothing really like – nothing's really like good about it. Per se, but just the, the 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 mystery of figuring it out, and how they structure the clues, and the fact that they do have people that can sing, like it, it's enough there that somehow everything else about it that makes no sense just kind of melts to the wayside, and you just get this weird hour once a week of just like overly positive, up like lifting each other up type of television that no other I feel like reality show really does in the same way. Because they're always actually trying to win something for real. And it's not just this, like, silly game where you're dressed right. as a fox or whatever. So it's actually kind of fun. Like, as much as I'm kind of, like, making fun of it, it's legitimately kind of fun. There's, it's more cringe than anything else. But the clues, 
you know, the satisfaction I felt knowing that I got Wiz Khalifa right so early and then having it confirmed was real. Like, for a show that shouldn't matter, it, it was, yeah, it, it's fun. So so I think that's my lane is kind of um, reality competition shows that are just so ridiculous but somehow work. And the other one that fits that mold that it's also good, I delayed talking about Mass Singer because I just happened to watch that um, the other week, also my girlfriend, was uh, The Circle on Netflix, which... Um, again, the premise, some sort of weird fever dream. What if you had Big Brother, but instead of everyone living in a house together, they're all isolated to individual apartments, but they can talk to each other through a basically Alexa where they set up group chats that they watch on a screen, and that's the only way they communicate. And you can either be the real person that you are, or you could be a catfish. So they're like combining like three different reality shows. And that in of itself is like, okay. But then the wrinkles come in. So on the interesting side is the strategy of each player in how they want to proceed through the game because the ultimate goal is you win $100,000 if you are the last player not eliminated. And elimination comes in based on the trust you can build with people. So you form allegiances. You try and undermine other people. You can have a big group chat with everyone. You could set basically DMs with individuals or group chats with smaller groups. And it's all just a game of... Essentially, like, to what extent do you manipulate? To what extent are you honest? And how does that play out for you? And how do other people receive, you know, are, are they receptive to it? Do they get suspicious? And just kind of that whole thing. And again, that's kind of like, all right, so there's a core, that's an interesting concept. There's kind of this ridiculous premise on top of it. It's like, oh, it's catfish, but it's Big Brother, but it's not. But then, because reality shows can't just be normal, uh, there's this fever dream level where because it's set in social media times, the producers insist that they always use emojis, the producers insist that they always use hashtags, and the producers insist that apparently these people are on the cutting edge of the most popular slang terms and are using so many of them so often that if you watch this thing in six years, it's going to feel like it's archaic already. I mean, I heard Spill the Tea more times on that show than I've heard in my entire life on any TV, any series of TV shows or just in real life all combined in like eight episodes. Let me, let me, let me just say this because it's, it also applies to the reality TV show that I've been, that I've been watching, but reality TV show, uh, producers, devils. Oh, totally. Just absolute terrible people. Let me, let me just tell you how the circle goes down. So you do the, or how it, like the, the emojis, the, the hashtags, it'd be like this. Um, I start a group chat and I go, hey, Circle, start a group chat with Kevin and Angel. What's up, guys? Uh, just checking in on everyone, seeing how you're doing, seeing if you have a tea to spill, uh, uh, mouth over face emoji, hashtag Ram Nintendo gang, hashtag we in this, hashtag uh, something, send. Circle that sounds send. insufferable, dude. I don't, yeah, and that's I all they say. See this at all. And I, for like four episodes, was sitting there because Rachel – my girlfriend was watching it anyway, and I was just sitting there for episodes, just like kind of on my phone, kind of watching. But then once you get over that hump of the weirdness of those stupid sentences, and to be fair, they only usually use one or two hashtags, not three like I did. But to get once you get over that hump and you start seeing like the un, like the actual game that's afoot, it's the same as Mass Singer. Like once you get over that hump of this doesn't make sense, like why are they in costumes? Why are the jokes so bad? Like, but then when you get into like the meat of the game, suddenly you start to care. Like I literally could see episode to episode me looking more at the tv and less at my phone as time went on and by the end i was actually pretty invested and had like a favorite and stuff but like mass singer there's just so many layers that are like bizarre like they do all these weird things where 
to liven up their time in their individual rooms they'll have games and events and like they'll make them dress up like they're doing a fashion week or something and then do like a catwalk for the cameras and like that has no bearing on anything why are they doing that it's kind of stupid they look kind of dumb but then as you watch more you start to realize oh some of the challenges they do actually are seen by others. Like they might have to draw something about another person and are they nice? Are they mean? Is there some like hint of something to other players? And they're like, oh, okay, maybe there's something here. But again, it's also really stupid at the same time. So <laughs> it's this very strange dichotomy that I didn't watch much reality TV in the competitive sense, you know, these sort of competition shows. So I didn't really know just how many, I won't say how many layers because there's really just two, but you know that there is a deep like an undercurrent on these shows of actual strategy and actual like whether it's you figuring it out like Matt Singer or whether it's you know you just kind of placing your bets on which strategies work or don't or which people are being smart or stupid like there is a slightly deeper level to these than I anticipated and that was surprising. But it also makes me realize I'm going down the rabbit hole and I fear for where I may go next because I think, Kevin, you might be already there with what you're watching. Uh, Yeah, to a degree. So are, are you done with the with Yeah, the that's circle? pretty much it. I, I don't know how much more I could ramble about these shows. So, yeah, that's all you did. Okay. So, oh, God, how do I even begin? Okay. So I've been watching a ton of one particular show, but mm-hmm. not in the way that you would traditionally think. So, as, like, you guys know, I consume a lot of Twitch content. Uh, the main streamer that I watch, is, his name is uh, Hasanabi, which, uh, his real name is Sam Piker. Some people might know him from his time on the uh, Young Turks YouTube channel. His main content, he's, like, a leftist political streamer. So, every day from, like, 11 a.m. to about, uh, I don't know, maybe about 3, 4 p.m., he talks nothing but politics uh, national and international use. And, like, once that's over, he'll, like, move on to reacting to, like, YouTube videos. So he'll watch those videos that, like, GQ puts up that are, like, more worker response to quitters on... to quitters... to questions on Twitter, that kind of thing. Right. But where the fun... <laughs> where the fun begins for not only me, but the 30,000 other people that go to his streams are when he loads up a playlist of the pure high-octane crap that is known as 90 Day Fiancé. Have either of you guys <laughs> ever watched 90 Day Fiancé? I have not, but I've heard things. A- Angel, no, I'm pretty sure it's... you've never watched. Oh, no, so you've no. never heard of 90 Day Fiancé. Okay. No. So for, for, for you guys and for listeners who don't know what 90... Also, if 90 Day Fiancé is like your favorite show... I don't think that there's a chance that you think of the show as good. Maybe a guilty pleasure, I guess. But that That's the best we, phrase, by the way, for Mass Singer and Circle. I couldn't land on it because I couldn't think of it. But for anyone who does like the show, it's a guilty pleasure. I don't think anyone's thinking it's high art. But I imagine Nine Day Fiancé is also uh, even more so the case. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Nine Day Fiancé, so the way that started out... Oh, and this is on the Learning Channel, by the way, which... Uh, well, so was uh, Kate Plus 8, where you could learn all about a family that's dysfunctional with way too many children. So, Oh, yeah. And this is <laughs> this is a whole different level of uh, dysfunctional. So, 90 Day Fiancé, it started out as a show where usually an American citizen will fall in love with a foreigner. And the foreigner will come visit uh, here in America. And they had 90 days 
to essentially marry so that the foreigner could stay there permanently with their K-1 visa. Um, and I know this is a, a not necessarily a huge issue, but there are times where, oh, like Ron Swanson had that, had that arc in Parks and Recreation where his mm-hmm. wife, in like those first two seasons, they were just married because of visa purposes. Because she mm-hmm. was Canadian, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. so. Yeah, so, so there is, that does, that does happen very, very often. But, man, watching it with 30,000 other degenerates is, like, bliss. So, that's how the show usually, or, well, that's how the show started. Uh, a foreign partner meets American partner, they get married within 90 days. But there are also, like, a lot of spin-offs. And some of the ones that we've watched are ones where the American partner visits the foreign partner in their country before the foreign partner comes over to America. Or sometimes the American will go to their country and live there and like get married there instead. Uh, so there's a bunch of spinoffs, but those are the two main ones that we watch. And the two people will always the way it starts is like the American introduce themselves. They talk about themselves a little bit. They're usually, and I, I feel bad for saying this, but they're usually like middle-aged to older women who are having a tough time with their love life. There, you, there are definitely men on the show, but of the ones that we've seen on stream with Hassan, it's usually a lot of women. Um, and usually dating guys way way younger than them like i believe the one that we're watching right now the woman is 47 and the male is like 24 somewhere around there that so the age differences gap. the age gaps are insane some and like every now and then you you get a a 28 year old woman meeting a 29 year old male but usually it's there's usually a huge age gap Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of, it's very, very weird. And, oh man. And they'll introduce themselves. They'll talk about their partner. Then we'll see the partner side of like how they live in, in their foreign country. And like you, you get a little, you get little glimpses into their, their personal lives before they physically meet each other. And you get a, a glimpse of like the families. Oh man, the families of the poor, of the, of the American side of stuff. They're always like, are you sure that you want to do this? Because, (laughs) you know, he might just be, yeah, they might just be doing it for a visa. And these, the Americans are usually so, so delusional. They're like, no, they love me for me and all this stuff. Oh, and they'll catfish the poor foreigners every now and then. But then again, the foreigners will also, like lie about their living situations out in their countries. You just deal with nothing but terrible, terrible people the entire time. (laughs) It's so insane. It's like, you've got master manipulators. You've got just, you know, liars. You've got, Oh man, you've got sociopaths. It's insane. And, and the producers just egg on, these two people the entire time, which is why I said that reality TV show producers are yeah. literal demons. Um, oh, you, you know another good example of how demonic they can be? Um, Rachel watches The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, 
And there were right. situations, like I was just in the room when it was on, and there were situations where like the someone would be like having a panic attack or there'd be an issue and then the producers would be like, Oh, you should go interrupt what's supposed to be happening right now and tell the bachelor. Like go ahead and like like you know, they schedule like one on one time with him and the contestants and then someone's freaking out and they're like, No, take this energy and go yell at him right now and they'd let her like barge in and disrupt the set and they you know, all the camera crew in there's like, What's going on? And the producers you see him in the back just like yeah, go, 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 go. It's so bad. Oh, yeah. The the, the producers yeah. have, like, permanent content skull. Like, whatever they can use oh, yeah, to, totally. like, either boost up ratings or make for juicy drama, they will do. They have yeah. no problem with that. Yeah. And, like, so you have demons on one side of the of the, uh, of the camera, but then you have demons on the other side of the camera, too, where <laughs> it's like these people are completely incompatible, especially when you bring up the, the age difference. But then... Also, like, the obvious culture shocks that are, like, meeting somebody from a different culture and just bringing them, like, with very minimal physical contact and nothing but, like, you know, long-distance chatting and stuff like that. So, I believe one that we just finished watching on stream was an American heading over to, uh, I think, Jordan. And so... They're very Muslim over there, or Muslim is like the main religion, and so you have then issues where like the the Jordanian family want uh, the Americans to convert to Islam, and so you get little touches mm. of that where mm. like those are sort of more real issues, I guess. But then you just have just two terrible. Pe- usually, usually there's situations where one person is trying to make the best of their situation and they are really terrible, but maybe they're a little inexperienced, especially the younger dudes. Oh, especially the younger dudes when it comes to like taking care of kids where it's like a 23 year old doesn't know what to do with a child. Like, come on, I'm 28 years old and I still don't know what to do with like younger children. And so now you're putting that in front of all of America on the supposed learning channel. Uh, it's insane. Uh, Jesus Christ. Oh, I, what? Go yeah, ahead, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, what I love about watching, uh, and just to be honest, I would not watch this crap just like on TV. Like, the only thing that makes it bearable is watching it with 30,000 other people. Because seeing live reactions to some of the crap that's happening, uh, on screen is funny in, in its own right. Like, because, you know, Twitch culture is very much uh, the streamer and the chat and whatever the chat says. And a And whatever. Time. And that's a whole different <laughs> can of worms that we won't get into. I know. I know. <laughs> um, you know, so it's the streamer, chat, and then whatever's happening on screen. So, yeah, you get uh, Hassan's, you know, throwaway jokes every now and then. His commentary, which is funny. But then seeing some of the emotes. So like Pepe the Frog is a big is a big uh like emote template. You guys know Pepe the Frog, right? Of course, yeah. Yeah. So you know there's there's very different variations. So like there's a Pepe the Frog emote where his eyes are wide, almost like a oh crap situation. There's a Pepe the Frog uh like being angry. There's a Pepe the Frog that's like grinning to himself because he knows something bad's gonna happen. So just like seeing this influx of emotes coming 
coming down the chat when something terrible happens on 90 Day Fiance. It's almost its own little like piece of comedy on top mm-hmm. of this obviously terrible situation that's about to happen. It's it's amazing. I can't I it's always my favorite part of seeing Hassan stream for sure. Like don't get me wrong, his his political stuff aligns with my political viewings as well. But like even if you don't like his politics, you're going to enjoy seeing 30,000 people just watch these two terrible cu- this this couple in their terrible situations that uh, it's it's like a it's like a beautiful train crash. <laughs> uh, it's it's awesome. It, it's funny because he went a few months without doing a uh, ninety day react say as he calls it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he went a couple months and we we like his community would always complain like when are, when is ninety day coming back when is ninety day coming back and I remember when I first started watching him, uh, he would always average maybe about ten thousand viewers for for 90 day and now he gets like i said 30k right easy just because we want to watch these two toxic individuals it says more about us i think more (laughs) than it does about them well because we're just uh we it's funny when when they introduce themselves uh and their backgrounds and we all sort of vote i'm like is this gonna be a good couple or not it's like uh these guys kind of suck so there's probably not going to be a lot of content that's coming out of this. It's or like two very different people. Like, oh, you can already tell that this season is going to be very, very good. The the drama that's going to happen. It's it's mm-hmm. so funny. Well, I think I think you hit a nail on the head there about like how it's more about the the group you're watching with than the show itself. Like to to step back for a second, the way I do on all our podcasts, I feel like. Um, the through line I'm noticing between what you're saying and how you watch and what I was saying about me now watching these reality shows is it's a communal experience. In your case, it's 30,000 people. In my case, it's just me and Rachel. But nonetheless, like having – I think what makes these shows work or why maybe I'm now into them but I wasn't before and why you're now super into Night Day Fiance is because – it's I'm not ju- it's 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 a two way street. It's not like a drama or something where you sit there in silence and you let the story wash over you. The situations are absurd. The uh, the context of why it's happening in the case of the shows I'm watching is absurd. Like everything's just absurd, and you need someone there to sort of bounce that off of. Like if you sit there and go, "This is dumb," like it it you know you're not going to care. But if you have someone where you're like, "This is dumb," but like, what about this? Like that? Oh, is that going to happen? Is this person really going to like marry that person? Is this, really, is this person really Wiz Khalifa? You know all that. Like having the sort of sounding board and having someone equally engaged or thirty thousand people equally engaged, I think is what makes these work. It's kinda like, you know, there's Mystery Science Theater three thousand or whatever it's called, right? Where or Riff Tracks, I guess it now is, where uh you know, it's one thing to watch a bad movie, it's another thing to watch a bad movie with a comedy uh track on top of it it's one thing to see the room right. by yourself it's another thing to see the room in those like cult following everyone went to a movie theater together and they had like these huge sold out screenings of the room because of the communal aspect so i think in a weird way and i never got that until now like because i never really watched reality shows i didn't really have anyone that watched reality shows that would be like hey come watch this um but now that uh you know how you're describing your experience what i've seen watching my shows with rachel like it is interesting how these shows are just by nature like social occasions well yeah like i have a group i watch handmaid's tale with i you know i have like a it's dystopian tv night we do uh 
or we did pre-pandemic Handmaid's Tale, uh, Man in the High Castle, uh, all these sort of like dark shows. And, you know, we'd hang out and talk about the show, but it was not the same sort of like visceral, like, oh my God, this is how, or like, really, is it that person? Or is it this? Is it that? Like, I can't believe they're, that person's backstabbing this person in the circle like that. You need the group for that, whatever size. Right. So it's like a whole genre I never fully appreciate until that group existed, essentially. Yeah, which, which is TV interesting because I never thought of it. So it's own demon. What was that? It's crazy. Reality TV show is its own like monster. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and and like obviously there's some that's just like oh maybe not, but even like I'm all I'm not gonna watch it. I'm not saying, but to the point of like you're further down the rabbit hole, like. I get on some level why people watch stuff like Housewives and why people watch stuff like the Kardashians because it's like – or you know, it's 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 the same idea. It's like these people with these ridiculous lives doing ridiculous things and if you're watching with the right person who's equally like this is ridiculous, then there's some fun to be had there. And of course there's a whole other set of the audience. I'm not trying to diss them. But there's another set of the audience out there that genuinely is interested in these people and their lives and cares about them and – you do you, all of you people, but um, yeah, I think for like us and for a, a podcast we've done for twenty five episodes where we talk about like more serious meat, not serious, but more like established forms of media and types of shows, and the, you know the type of stuff that Angel's probably gonna jump into in a bit. I would have to guess. Um, like I, I'm starting to see the other side a little and how it comes to be. Right. Yeah. Uh, Angel, what have you been up to? Well, clearly not watching like the best TV of my entire life. Damn. Oh, I would <laughs> I would love to watch those were to watch impressions. 90 Day Fiance with <laughs> with you guys. Like we should do it like, sometime. We can all day. get together. It's, Let's do it. It's so insane. Well, the the thing about it, 90 Day Fiance is that like an episode of 90 Day Fiance will have like 5 minute cuts of multiple couples. So with really some invest. of yeah, so what, like, Hassan's, uh, like, moderators will do is that they will go through seasons of the shows and just clip out, uh, couples one at a time. So we're not watching five people at a time. We're watching one couple throughout the, like, an entire season. Get me? Interesting. Is there any sort of, like, copyright violation with that? Or does TLC, excuse me, does TLC have a deal with Amazon and Twitch? Like, how is this even possible? Uh, oh, yeah, it's, it's, I think TLC doesn't care enough. Uh, but there are times marketing. where, like, what happened? They probably figure it's free marketing to some extent. Maybe no, because like none of his viewers are going to go out of their way uh, to true. watch Night Day Fiance <laughs> on TLC. No, true. but there there have been situations where some couples uh, will have their videos blocked. It, it's it's a mix of official videos from like TLC's YouTube channel, uh, but then like videos will be blocked in here in America, mm. and then there's. You know, uh, his, you know, his fans combing through like Hulu videos and cutting them out and sending them to him. Mm -hmm. I, I just think, I just think TLC probably doesn't care that much. So that's why he's able to get away with it a lot of the right, time. Right. Huh. That's a, that's a thing in this community, him getting away with it, but that usually refers to women. Uh, but yeah, that's, it, it's usually like on, the, or private playlists. That's how they do it. They people upload them to their own channel, but they private them so that oh, you know, I YouTube. see. And then at that point, I guess YouTube does have. Video. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, um, Angel, to your but, point uh, about not seeing the best television, just just to throw it out there, Angel, we've done this not with reality TV, but we used to watch the '80s version of Amazing Stories, 
the Spielberg produced anthology series of weird, uh, wonderful and like bewildering things that happen, like mummies coming to life and helping kids and things like that. You, you me and your brother used to watch that. And basically the way <laughs> Kevin's describing how he watches, he, what he watches and how I'm describing how I watch what I watch is pretty much what we did with that. So you, you've been there just in a slightly different way. No, no, no. I, I know. I've definitely been there. I'm just talking about yeah. recently. Cause... Oh, yeah. No. Well, Amazing Stories is getting a new Apple TV Plus series, if not already. So there you go. Yeah, which is pretty interesting. I mean, I'm definitely curious to check it out because, I mean, there's no reason not to. I think I still have Apple TV for another year because Apple seems to really want me to watch it. But yeah, I, I don't. Just got it. So just... I just haven't used it at all. Yeah, they just keep extending it. It's like it was supposed to be done over a year ago because I got my 10R two birthdays ago maybe three birthdays ago no no maybe two i don't know it's been a while i feel like i've had this orange iphone for a while which i still love and have been doing a pretty good job of taking care of if i do say so myself <laughs> but um but yeah i mean i have well i haven't really been watching any new big shows i mean i've started a few things here and there uh, mainly i'm just going off i'm going down my list of like recommended stuff to watch like, for instance, like a real quick one, I started watching a show called Fate Zero. Um, I'm like maybe 10 episodes in out of like 25. It's supposed to be a prequel to a show called Fate Stay Night, which I think... Okay, I was about to ask because I used to watch Fate Stay Night years ago. Yeah, because Fate Stay Night, as Kevin implied, um, it's a much older show. That show was actually recommended to me by a friend I met in college. When we were still in college, the same friend I recommended, I watched that anime about making bread or baking bread which became my all-time favorite anime and immediately after finishing that one he's like you gotta watch this one and that and... friend if it's who i'm thinking of went on to become a chef himself right it was him. yeah he did yeah yeah and so that almost, bread anime almost, really really went to heart and almost 14 years later i'm finally getting around to checking out that franchise because at that time fate zero didn't exist but it takes place before fate stay night and so far, I'm enjoying it. I don't know if either of you, if the name Zatch Bell or Gash Bell rings any bells. But... Zatch Bell does. Yeah, well, Zatch no, Bell, sir. I think, is what, the anime, is what the anime was called. I think um, in English, the voice of... Wait. The titular Zatch was voiced by Jimmy Neutron. Wait, wait, wait. Did the they have a GameCube yeah. game? Did they have a GameCube game? Probably. Yeah, they did. M- M- and are you sure Bell, it wasn't yeah. Zach? Because Z A C H is how you no, say it. No, Zatch. Zatch. Oh, Zatch. I, like Zatch. Once I thought of it, I always read it as Zach Bell when I saw the game at stores. Oh, uh, no, it's, it's Zatch Bell. An uninformed fool. My, uninformed, my only mean. real memory of Zatch Bell is there's this podcast that I listened to. It was a comedy podcast, and they got Crunchyroll to sponsor them, but none of them really watched anime, with the exception <laughs> of the person that was reading the ad roll. And I remember he would go, Zatch Bell and one of the guys you just hear him cracking up and goes <laughs> Zatch Bell that's not a real anime Zatch Bell is uh, <laughs> it's probably my favorite ad read well that show is similar to that essentially well I guess yeah if mostly well Kevin did hear about it but um and that it's kind of like Pokemon but not really essentially um there are these creatures called Momotos um they're basically little monsters with powers but they're something shaped like people that have a battle every decade, let's say, that will determine who will be the next king. But the battle is takes place on Earth, and every human that is chosen, like I think there's a hundred of them, um, they get chosen for one reason or another. 
Sometimes it just feels arbitrary. And they get a book that pretty much has all the spells that the Momoto can cast. And they essentially have to duel it out against the other Momotos and their book wielders and destroy their books. And so there's one book remaining and that Momoto becomes the king. Great anime. Really fun. It kind of ended on a cliffhanger because it just didn't have a conclusion even though it went on for almost 100 episodes. But I did read how it ended and I was pretty happy with that. This show is almost identical, just the inverse. There is this thing called the Holy Grail that I guess every X amount of time decides that it's the time to battle out for the Holy Grail. Whoever gets the Holy Grail will get one wish granted. And there are seven people in this case that arbitrarily or random or for some reason get chosen to participate in this secret battle and they get to summon a servant or a helper from another dimension or time period and they have to battle out until one remains and they get the holy grail so it's cool so far i mean i'm noticing a lot of references to other things that i'm like oh this is where this is from so i'm guessing it was definitely one of those really popular anime at some point if anything the more i watch it the more i'm like oh wow this is what this was in anime expo or this is what that costume was in Anime Expo. But is uh Zatch Bell the one that's getting the remake? No, the one that's getting a remake is Shaman King, which is also pretty oh, Shaman similar. King, gotcha, gotcha. I because <laughs> you know, everyone wants to become the shaman, the titular shaman king, and only some arbitrary people get the ability to summon these ancient warriors from different time periods to fight for themselves until there's one remaining. Yeah, there's a lot of this similar plot. Yeah, like all those Shonen Jump shows pretty much had the same. I One Piece, everybody wants to be the best pirate. Yeah, Naruto, everybody yeah. wants to be the best ninja. I mean, Pokemon, that's not Shonen Jump, but Pokemon's the same premise. You want to be the best trainer. Yeah, literally. There ever was. Yeah. Well, 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 Shonen Jump is a brand, but Shonen anime is still like what, po- what we would say like Pokemon would fall under. Right. Because right. it literally just means like young male protagonist. For, yeah, that's pretty much what it is. And, um,. Yeah, there's a lot of them like that. But, you know, some have their own flavors to it. So that is kind of the great thing about it is that if you like one, but it isn't quite to your taste for one reason or another, you're bound to find one that is, like, perfect for you. Because, I mean, it is a great story device, but it is fun when they change it up. Kind of like Demon Slayer. I feel that one can be, I guess, simplified to that definition. But I feel there's some key things that it changes that make it more interesting, in my opinion. Um, you know, like for one thing, like the main character not necessarily wanting to be the best for the sake of being the best. But besides that, I'm really looking forward to watching that show. I've just been buying and looking at more things lately. Um, specifically just some higher end figures. Probably the biggest one and I don't know how this really happened and I'm pretty sure I might have talked about it in the show before. But it's just how quickly I went from not really caring about Evangelion to starting the show kind of stopping halfway through maybe like half a year later i started over again and then once i finish it and all of a sudden i'm like i need all the evangelion merchandise and like oh, literally, i have like, hold on i want i want your your reaction to this wait what uh i have i want your reaction to this i a neon uh, genesis of Evangelion shirt i want your reaction right now i'm sending it to you through discord oh <laughs> But, Someone's got to describe what the shirt looks like for our f- fine listeners at home. The heck? Isn't that what? not the best shirt? <laughs> the, the more I look at it, the more I'm confused. Like, it, I mean, 
Is there a reason why cis is in all capital? Nope. Or, I mean, they're, they're, sure. I mean, they're, I mean, they're I mean, all in all, all capital, capital, but but it looks like cis is like. I I love I love how you're asking the... that, but not why Garfield is on the Neon Genesis Evangelion shirt. <laughs> whoa, wait, wait, Garfield like lasagna loving Monday hating Garfield. Yep. It's like a nineties. Huh. It's like they wrote out Neon Genesis Evangelion in like nineties font with a cross armed Garfield, like hovering over it, like it's like the Fresh with the Bell Air logo, but Neon Genesis Evangelion with Garfield for some reason. It's huh. really weird, and I feel like if you were this at Anime well, you would just confuse the heck out of people. Is it bootleg? Oh, Kevin? that's that's what I'm doing. No, it's not bootleg. It, I mean, it, looks I mean, like it, it technically is bootleg. Somebody just made the shirt. But it's not like it's not like an off-brand off Amazon where, right? Or, where just... Like you're not watch, you're not seeing this at the Paramount Swami is what I'm saying. Like <laughs> somebody went out of their way to make it look bootleg. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm getting <laughs> you that now, Angel. So. <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna get it. Happy, happy, happy birthday. <laughs> well, it definitely makes a statement. Um, there's some people at work that would definitely appreciate it. But you remember when we went to Japan? We went to the Evangelion store. And my brother was, like, all about that place. And, you know, I'm looking at seeing, like, oh, wow, there's a lot of Evangelion stuff. And I definitely knew of it, especially, you know, the giant purple mech monster. Because it's kind of everywhere. Yeah, the evil one. Yeah. But then after learning, it's like, oh, it's Unit 1 and watching the show. And I just, like, fell in love with it. And I even bought myself, like, a like my first model kit that I actually took the time to build was the Unit 1. Like, specifically the TV version. And recently, D Zero, one of my favorite, I guess like, the I guess premium figure manufacturers decided to make their own version of the Unit One, and it's like this twenty inch tall beast that's like made of metal. It's incredibly posable and pretty heavy, but it's funny because it's full name like it's like a mouthful of a name for a toy. It's the Robo Do Evangelion new theatrical version, Evangelion test type Unit One. Metal field. And mm. yeah, this thing is just awesome. I just love that it comes even with an alternate head that actually shows painted teeth. Because I can't tell you how many times I've seen, you know, one figure that have the teeth, but they aren't painted. They're just red. And right. I don't I've just like became, I don't know, kind of, I have to be, I, well, I have to be very picky with what I pick from this franchise. Because, you know, I also collect a lot of Godzilla stuff. I also collect a lot of Ninja Turtle stuff. And that's just Oh, especially Ninja Turtle stuff. So, quick question then. Uh-huh. Have you seen the Godzilla Ava 1 figure? Oh, yeah. Damn. See, that, that's that where I was like... Does it your fancy? Oh, of course it does. Yeah, I was so... That's like... <laughs> <laughs> the way you said that. It, 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 it's one of those things where, like, I remember a long time ago watching my brother watch Evangelion and being like, oh, maybe I should check it out. Because, you know, like, typically, like, my brother and I's teeth are pretty similar, so like if he likes something, I'll more than likely will watch it and also like it. Not always the other way around. Although I do feel he would like the stuff that I would recommend to him, but he, there's some stuff that he just like will probably refuse to watch. But that's beside the point. Um, yeah, I, I feel by the time I got into Evangelion, a lot of these really awesome figures were already completely sold out. Like there is a Godzilla that's painted to mimic the Unit 1's color scheme. But then there's also a Mechagodzilla that's painted to be like the Unit 1 color scheme. But there's also a redesign from the ground up by the guy that designs the Metal Gear. I guess the Metal Gear franchise. He's like the main artist. 
and he made like a mecha godzilla hybrid of the unit one or just like I don't know, just like an evangelion mecha godzilla and it just looks freaking crazy and of course it sold out everywhere and incredibly expensive mm-hmm. and yeah like luckily they did remake the mecha godzilla one that looks really awesome and i sent it to my brother and he's actually getting it but the catch is that oh, okay. they're not selling the the standard figure anymore. Like that one's like long gone. Um, what they're selling now, that's widely available to anybody now, is the it's a model kit. So you have to build that thing. It's still as posable. Right. It's still as detailed. It still looks awesome. But damn, that thing is gonna be a nightmare to build in a good way. I mean, it's fun, but. It's going to take a long time. And these pieces get tiny. And I can only imagine that one being extremely, like... It's definitely going to try your patience at times. Especially because of how tiny some things get. And if you don't finish it one day, got to make sure you put everything away properly. Or you might lose something. And I'm sure that will drive many a person crazy. But, yeah, I mean, even then, like... Just been expanding some stuff around here recently. And I guess my newer room space um like i just got my who framed roger rabbit poster which i really really love mondo in general just makes amazing posters if you haven't looked at mondo for their posters i definitely recommend it only catch is that if you're a fan of classic animation you know like roger rabbit transformers godzilla then getting a poster from them it's going to be almost impossible or ninja turtles for that matter because all of those always sell out within like 30 seconds or less like i kid you not and a lot of their like print sizes are incredibly small like i've been lucky enough to grab every godzilla poster that i've wanted which sounds like a lot but it's really just one the only reason it sounds like more is because i've gotten i helped my brother get a whole bunch of them and some of these run and some of these size print sizes are like 100 total and that's it which is pretty nuts if you think about it because it's available to everyone in the united states online at the same time and there's only a hundred of them. Yeah, like I missed out on uh, a parasite poster because it was super limited. Oh yeah, like and they had like awesome like villains. Like they, I mean specifically, there's an artist called Maddie Tobin who does amazing work with them. Um, but yeah, like you know, it's like yeah, they, it's not just those few franchises. Usually, any major movie that gets a poster is gonna sell out ridiculously fast. But I mean, if you have everything saved and you're really fast and you're a really fast clicker, I would say you have a good chance. That's the only one where it ever feels fair. Not like trying to get something through NECA or Walmart or Target where it just feels where you're literally competing against yeah. the, the bots. I don't know what Mondo does differently, but it feels like I'm not competing with bots. It feels like I'm actually competing against normal people. But yeah, just um. Starting out the rest of the stuff that I want to buy, I mean, there's, like, so many things. I mean, like, earlier, I think it was last year or this year, I got... No, it was this year. Oh, my God. Like, I got a 1-6 scale Kratos from, you know, God of War 2018 with, like, fabric for clothing. He's pretty huge. Has, like, two versions of the axe where the way the game starts and fully upgraded as well as the other weapon that I won't spoil in case you haven't played it. It should be obvious. And, you know, a little Mimir head, which is also awesome. And the only problem is now it's like getting all these nice to look figures. They just look so nice, almost next to nothing. So you almost don't want to get too many, but there's still so many you want. So I don't know. I guess the only I don't know, solution is to 
build an extension to the house or something just like another room dedicated <laughs> just to this stuff which we already have and filled up in the garage area because that place got remodeled into like it's currently like my brother's studio slash ninja turtle shrine well i guess it's our ninja turtle shrine slash living room slash i guess other ninja turtle display room with other stuff but yeah that's been interesting with covid you know saving a lot of money on trips and stuff definitely opens up more possibilities for these kinds of collectibles kind of wish nintendo made more like i really wanted that bowser from first four figures but i just want a different pose like i'm tired of seeing bowser in, in that same pose it's always that pose Maybe he just can't be in a different pose. I mean, I don't know. Put him in that Dance Dance Revolution Mario pose um, where he's like, would, you know, would standing you on one buy, hand, like dancing. Would you buy a figurine of Bowser in his Mario Golf Super Rush outfit? Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Where he has even more spikes yeah, yeah, no, somehow? No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No, so uh, take note, maybe. Nintendo, I would, I, do not use that pose. Do not. I, I, would, I would need to already have a Bowser I'm really happy with that is in his standard attire which is i guess just a shell but yeah that's pretty much what i've been up to um it, oh, maybe, it maybe, maybe we'll maybe we'll try something new i think i feel because they talked about some of these figures a little bit um i think i try to take some i mean i do love to post figures except i don't do that as often anymore and i used to like post pictures of them pretty frequently i think my instagram for a long time was literally just characters pose and interacting with each other from different franchises like i think i had link holding megatron in his gun mode sniping at the rathalos from monster hunter from like far away or ninja turtle michelangelo with clementine from walking dead the telltale game you know hustling link or something and yeah you know you get busy or time on the earth is limited and you know you start doing other things but i don't know maybe for the podcast i'll take some pictures and make like a little mini gallery or so or something anytime i want to like you know give impressions on a figure because you know it's not like you can see the figure so maybe that's like some kind of i don't know in between but i don't know we'll see we'll, see. we'll say though you kind of just bookended quarantine chronicles sort of well because i feel like it was in the first few episodes we were talking about your guys's plight of collecting and how many figurines specifically you angel had and now here we are again at the last segment i assume at the last segment of Quarantine Chronicles, yes. Great segue, Jason. Even though it ain't your podcast, you still, you I still bring those segues I can't help it. Up, like crazy. It's been over a year and I've uh, tried, I'm not, I'm not and ta- I can't no, I'm not saying, it. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's bad. <laughs> I, actually, I actually appreciate it. So, yeah, like I uh, started this episode mentioning this is going to be the last episode of Quarantine Chronicles. Hopefully forever because, you know, we don't want to be stuck in quarantine. We don't have to want to live through a pandemic and we wouldn't wish uh, anybody to go through a pandemic, but the three of us aren't really in a quarantine anymore. So for that reason, we're actually going to change the name of the podcast. So you're still getting a brand new podcast every other week that Brandon Nintendo, uh, is taken off, but it's not going to be quarantine Chronicles anymore. Uh, we thought about this long and hard, whether we should change the name, whether we should keep it, the numbering system, are we going to continue that? Uh, and we came to a, what I think is a good conclusion. I don't know how you guys feel about it. Well, I feel great. And um, I should just say before Angel, you, well, Angel, how do you feel? And then I'll make my one comment before we keep going. About what? How do you feel about 
where where we're taking it next. You feeling good about it? I guess. Okay, so I'm gonna make the one comment and come back to you. Um, Kevin saying we thought long and hard about this. What he's about to say was his idea and his idea alone, and it is genius. Like I always, you know, and the one that takes the bullet for the bad titles because I do come up with them. But when there's a really good podcast name, gotta give credit where it's doing. Kevin, it was all you at like two in the morning texting us. Was it like at two in the morning? It might have been one in the morning. I, I it remember was it was in the early de- a.m. I, it was definitely very, very late. Yeah. It just like it hit me like a ton of breaks. So going forward, the I guess the other well, what would you, the the companion series to the random Nintendo podcast will be the random non Tendo podcast. So starting next episode, Beautiful. QC will no longer show up every other Sunday, but the random non Tendo podcast will show up uh, it's still going to be the essentially the same show no SoCal COVID updates that that's pretty much over with but uh, yeah so next episode it will be the random Nintendo podcast and uh, possibly in person too we might be recording the yeah. next episode of this in person I still have a couple of tests that I have to run on my uh, laptop to see if that's going to be viable or not, depending on our mic situation. But, uh, yeah. But, but really, We're just a round mood. of applause, a standing ovation for a random non-Tendo. It's so good. Not to yeah, toot our really horn, name. it's so good. And, um, yeah, because I, I remember I mean, when that we were talking about That name alone like, is good enough to, like, start a whole second podcast that we hadn't already. Yeah. Seriously, but I, I remember when we were trying to come up with a name, I was like, oh, we could call it, like, I don't know, uh, Consumption Chronicles, because it's all the things we consume, and you guys are like, that's stupid, and then, like, the next day, Kevin's was like, but you know what isn't stupid? Random Nintendo, and I was like, yes, he's right. So, <laughs> yeah, it, uh, I, I think, I think for, for everyone at home, it's basically the exact same thing, but it, it's a, it's a new name for a new era of life that we're now entering. Yeah, I guess so. It, it's weird because this new era is going to be essentially the same era that we had before this previous era. Yeah, yeah. You get me? Yeah. I think what's different, so though, like is we didn't talk about This arc is era. going to be the same as the arc before the last arc. Yeah, they're, they're reusing plot points. But what's, what's, what's different for um, us is we never had the non-Nintendo stuff in a normal world. We had – we're doubling down on content because we have nothing else to do with our lives – but now we can talk about experiences, things we're going to. All, for example, in the first round of Nintendo, I'm going to be at Disneyland on opening day of the new Avengers campus. So I'll have thoughts on like what that's like, and that's something we never would have been able to cover in QC. So yeah, I can talk about my trip to Vegas next week. Yeah, so Andrew, tell us all about uh, the gambling addiction that forms between now and then. So you know it'll be good. Yeah. Not to mention how many food trips we used to take before quarantine, so... Oh, yeah, the yum-to-buck ratio. I feel like we're just doing call-outs to past episodes now. The yum-to-buck ratio is going to get a lot of mileage on random Nintendo, pretty sure. Yeah. And, uh, I guess that's that. We will uh, bid adieu to Quarantine Chronicles, and we will say aloha to random Nintendo in our next episode, which is on the 6th? Well, that's Maybe. our regular no. Ram Nintendo. That's our regular, yeah. So that's my be confusing. Oh, it's only one, one, uh, one letter difference. Yeah. So on 13th will be a brand new random Nintendo. On the 6th, we will have a brand new random Nintendo. 
Not sure what we're talking about. There. Oh, it's gonna be a good one. Um, we are kind of in the throes of pre E three, so there's been news the last couple of days. There are rumblings that the Switch Pro may be announced as soon as this week, so we may be talking about that. Um, and for sure, uh, Summer Game Fest kickoff. Oh, that can happen any sooner. So, Just give it to me, um, Nintendo. I need it. It's it was dying. rumored to happen as soon as this past it's Thursday, dying. but obviously that didn't pan out. Well, of course it yes, didn't, because all rumors are fake. Well, no, no, no. This is, yeah, that was fake, but the, the report is apparently Nintendo wants to get it out before E3 so all the third parties can show off Switch Pro optimized games on their own terms. So, we'll probably have that. But if we don't, we'll at least have the Sonic presentation, the Dragon Quest presentation, Summer Game Fest. There, there's a lot. There's a lot. Cool, cool. So uh, let us know what you thought about the episode. Let us know what you thought about the name change or the name itself in the uh, comment section of the blog post on YouTube. We are randomnintendo.com. Uh, you are listening to us on most likely on one of your favorite podcasting apps. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. Oh, no. You know why we should bring those up? Because there might be some people on YouTube that don't know we're on the podcasting apps. Oh. Just thought of that. Or on the website at randomnintendo.com. Exactly. Uh, on Twitter, you can follow us individually at Rant. Nope. You could follow <laughs> us at Rant Nintendo as a collective or individually. Uh, Jason is at JSR7. Angel is Wero underscore O, W E I R O underscore O. And I am KVN Gomi. Jason, take out Quarantine Chronicles behind the shed and put it out of its misery with your final words, please. I really wish I secretly had a COVID jingle for this particular moment, but I don't. So I'm going to end it with five letters. R.I.P. Q.C.